For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject the spiritual understanding of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This is part two of the series. Leaven in the Bible refers to as the works of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variant, emulations, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envyings, murder, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Leaven is also those things which the God of Israel hate. In Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, it is written, These six things does the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaks lies, and he that sows discord among brethren. The people at Corneth were people who had problems with their flesh. Now we're going to look at some of the leaven that is mentioned of the people in Corneth. First, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, and then 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 20 and 21. First Corinthians chapter 5 verse 1 says, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 20 and 21, For I fear lest when I come I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as you would not, lest there be debate, envyings, wrath, strives, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults, and lest when I come again my God will humble me among you, and that I shall bewail many which have sinned already, and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. Unleaven represents without sin. In Leviticus chapter 19 verse 2, and then in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 15 and 16, it is written, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, You shall be holy, which means to be set apart, for I the Lord your God am holy, set apart. But as he 
which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, which means how you live your lives. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Holy. The commandment regarding the festival of unleavened bread is that no leaven, which represents sin, shall be in our houses or eaten for seven days. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 15, and then Exodus chapter 12, verses 19 and 20, it is written, Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread, even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eat that which is leaven, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your habitations. You shall eat unleavened bread. What does this spiritually represent or communicate to us as believers in Yeshua as the Messiah? We are his house. In Hebrews chapter 3 verse 6 and then in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5 it is written, But Messiah as a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end? You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Yeshua HaMashiach. Our body is the temple or the house of the Ruach HaKodesh or the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man defile the temple of God, how you defile the temple of God? By sinning, leaven, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, it's set apart which temple you are. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 and 20 it is also specified to us that our body is the temple of the Ruach HaKodesh or the Holy Spirit. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, which you have of God and you are not your own. For you have been bought with a price. You've been redeemed out of Egypt. And spiritually we been bought by the blood of Yeshua. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God. This concept is also communicated to us that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 15 through 18. And what concord has Messiah with Belial? Or what hath he that believes with an infidel? In what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God as God has said I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate which means holy says the Lord and touch not the unclean thing that is sin or leaven and I will receive you and will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters says the Lord Almighty therefore the commandment 
that you are to eat the flesh of the lamb with unleavened bread spiritually means believe the gospel. Believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. That's how you eat the flesh of the lamb. And once you believe that he's the Messiah, also eat unleavened bread, which means don't sin. Don't seek to live a sinful life. Don't live in being a believer in the Messiah like you did live before you was a believer in Yeshua as the Messiah. Exodus chapter 12 verse 8, and they shall eat the flesh in that night roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eating unleavened bread, which means don't sin or don't pursue a sinful lifestyle, is an eternal command. Exodus chapter 12, verse 17. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day the eating of unleavened bread in your generations by an ordinance forever. Unleavened bread in Hebrew is matzah. Exodus chapter 13 verse 6. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread and in the seventh day shall be a feast to the Lord. The word unleavened is the Strong's number 4682. It's the Hebrew word matzah. Matzah means unleavened bread or being without or not possessing leaven. The matzah, unleavened bread, is a spiritual picture of Yeshua the Messiah. Matzah, unleavened bread, is flat. It is therefore without sin. Yeshua is without sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 and then in 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 21 and 22 it is written, For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. For even hereunto were you called because Messiah also suffered for us leaving us an example that we should follow his steps who did no sin neither was guile found in his mouth. Yeshua is like that matzah. Yeshua is without sin. Yeshua is unleavened. If we look at the characteristics of matzah, it's a spiritual picture of the Messiah. The matzah is pierced. It is said of Messiah that he was pierced. Psalm 22 verse 16 and also Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10. The matzah is striped. Yeshua is said to be striped when he died on the tree. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5. The matzah is flat. It doesn't contain any leaven. It's without sin. Yeshua is without sin in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 9. A name for the matzah or the unleavened bread, it is called the bread of affliction. In Deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 3 it is written, You shall eat no unleavened bread with it. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread therewith even the bread of affliction. The word affliction is the Strong's number 6040. It's the Hebrew word oni. And the word oni means affliction, poverty, or misery. This is a spiritual picture of 
Yeshua the Messiah. We can also see this picture of Messiah being the afflicted one in the birth when Rachel had her son Benjamin. In Genesis chapter 35 verses 16 through 18 we are told how Rachel is going to travail and giving birth to Benjamin and it is written. Rachel travailed and she had hard labor and it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her fear not ye shall have this son also and it came to pass as her soul was in departing for she died that she called his name Ben-Oni Ben-Oni is the Strong's number 1126 and it means in Hebrew Ben which means son Oni affliction she named him because she had hard labor and then ultimately died as a result of it she called this is the son of my sorrow this is the son of my affliction she called him Ben Oni however Jacob called him not Ben Oni but Jacob called him Benjamin Benjamin is the Strong's number 1144 and Benjamin means son of the right meaning the right hand Bain in Hebrew means son Yamin means right Rachel named her son Ben-Oni, son of my affliction. But Jacob says, no, he's the son of my right hand. He's the son of my strength. This is a spiritual picture of the Messiah. First, he came as the afflicted one, Ben-Oni, at his first coming when he died on the tree. When he comes back at his second coming to rule and reign, he's got to come back ruling and reigning in power and in might as relates to the meaning of the name Ben-Oni. Benjamin. Hand in Hebrew represents strength or power. In Psalm 89 verse 13 it is written, You have a mighty arm, strong is your hand, and high is your right hand. The word hand in Hebrew is the Strong's number 3027. It's the Hebrew word Yad. And Yad means hand, but it figuratively means strength or power. Therefore, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 64, Yeshua said unto him, You have said, Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand. Hand represents strength or power. So when we use the term right hand, it says sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Mark chapter 16, verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. So knowing that in Hebrew, right hand means strength and power. When he's sitting at the right hand of God, that communicates that he's ruling and reigning. He has power if he's sitting at the right hand of God. There are two primary important historical events that happened on Aviv or Nisan 15, which is the first day of unleavened bread. That is historically the children of Israel left Egypt, as we can see from Exodus chapter 12 verse 34 and then verses 39 through 42. And secondly, this was the day when Yeshua was buried and he was in the ground following his death on the tree. Let's look at the fact that the children of Israel left Egypt on Aviv or Nisan 
Deuteronomy 15, Exodus chapter 12, verse 34. And the people took their dough before it was leavened. And now in Exodus chapter 12, verses 39, and then reading through verse 42, it is written, And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough, which they brought forth out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt, and could not tarry, neither had they prepared for themselves any victual. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day, it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generation. So they baked unleavened cake in that night he brought them out of the land of Egypt. Yeshua is buried on Aviv or Nisan 15. We can see this from John chapter 19 verse 31 and then John chapter 19 verse 40. The Jews therefore because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, a Shabbaton. Besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then took they the body of Yeshua and wound it in linen clothes with the spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Passover and unleavened bread, these terms are used synonymously and interchangeably. That is because they are celebrated together. Passover is the 14th day of the first month, immediately followed by unleavened bread, the 15th day through the 21st day. So you're celebrating Passover and unleavened bread together. So you're referring to this entire period of time as either Passover or unleavened bread. In Mark chapter 14, verse 12, it is written, In the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said to him, Where will you that we go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? Well, you actually ate the Passover on the 14th. It's the 15th where you eat unleavened bread. But this says, On the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover. Unleavened bread is being used interchangeably with the celebration of Passover and the Passover season. We can also see see this in Luke chapter 22 verse 1 and verse 7. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. Unleavened bread is called the Passover. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. Unleavened bread is to be kept for seven days. The number seven in the Bible represents completion. Exodus chapter 13 verse 6 is the commandment that seven days ye shall eat unleavened bread and in the seventh day shall be a feast unto the Lord. Why do we do it for seven days? Seven in the Bible represents completion. We can see this from Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day. The seventh day was a completion from all the work which he had made. Unleavened bread was used for consecration. Leviticus chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. It is written, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, 
take Aaron and his sons with him in the garment in the anointing oil and a bullock for the sin offering and two rams in a basket of unleavened bread. Continuing on, Leviticus chapter 8 verses 26 through 28. And out of the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one unleavened cake and a cake of oiled bread and one wafer and put them on the fat and upon the right shoulder. And he put all upon Aaron's hands and upon his son's hands and waved them for a wave offering before the Lord. And Moses took them from off their hands and burnt them on the altar upon the burnt offering. They were consecrations for a sweet Savior. It is an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And making this consecration part of what was commanded to be done in the process of making this consecration unto the Lord was you are to take unleavened bread. Part of consecrating yourself to the God of Israel, you pursue not sinning. Not sinning is a part of your consecration or your sanctification. Unleavened bread was used for sanctification. In Exodus chapter 29 verses 1 and 2, this is what you need to do to hallow them. Hallow is the Strong's number 6942. It's the Hebrew word kadash, which means to consecrate or to sanctify, prepare, dedicate, be hallowed, or be holy, or to be made separate. This is the thing that you shall do unto them to hallow them to minister unto me in the priest's office. Take one young bullock and two rams without blemish and unleavened bread and cakes of unleavened tempered with oil and wafers unleavened anointed with oil and wheat and flour shall you make them. Therefore a part of the sanctification process was taking unleavened bread which is being without sin in conjunction with oil. Oil was used for anointing. Your anointing comes when you consecrate or sanctify yourself unto the God of Israel. Unleavened bread was used for the meal offering. Leviticus chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 it is written, And when any will offer a meat offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be a fine flour, and he shall pour oil upon it, and he put frankincense thereon. And if you bring an oblation of a meat offering baked in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with oil or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. Unleavened bread was used for the meal offering as we can continue to see by reading here in Leviticus chapter 6 verses 14 through 17 as it is written. And this is the law of the meat offering. The sons of Aaron shall offer it before the Lord before the altar. And he shall take of it his handful of the flour of the meat offering and of the oil thereof and all the frankincense which is upon the meat offering and shall burn it upon the altar for a sweet savor even the memorial of it unto the Lord. And the remainder thereof shall Aaron and his sons eat with unleavened bread shall it be eaten in the holy place. In the court of the tabernacle the congregation they shall eat it. It shall not be baked 
with leaven. So the meal offering was to be eaten in the holy place and part of this offering was to use unleavened bread. Unleavened bread was used for peace offerings. Leviticus chapter 7 verses 11 and 12. And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings which he shall offer unto the Lord. If he offer it for a thanksgiving then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cake mingled with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil and cakes mingled with oil of fine flour fried. So once again we have this spiritual concept unleavened bread without sin mingled or anointed with oil that the anointing comes when we separate and consecrate and sanctify ourselves from the world unto the God of Israel. Unleavened bread was used for the Nazarite consecration. In Numbers chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 it is written and the Lord spake unto Moses saying speak unto the children of Israel and saying to them, when either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite to separate themselves unto the Lord. Continuing on, Numbers chapter 6 verses 13 through 15. And this is the law of the Nazarite. When the days of his separation are fulfilled, he shall be brought under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Well, that's going to conclude part two of the series on the subject, the spiritual understanding of of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.